In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the show. Happy Ishtar. Jesus was most likely born in September, so that doesn't work. Where did we get that from? Well, Ishtar is a pagan holiday that has been uh, celebrated for millennia. It was mentioned in the Bible, not in a way that you should observe it, but that it was there at the time. Uh, and much later in the world, an uh, emperor named Constantine decided to mash all the religions together into one. That's why you get pictures of Jesus with the halo around the head. That sun worship tacked on to Christianity. Why did he want to do that? Because it makes it much easier if everybody observes the same holidays. Makes it easier to, to lead everybody. So Constantine was into Christianity because everybody was docile, not because he was such a great Christian or that he was saved, but that it seemed to work best, best for the society, which is much like why we in, in, ingrained tradi uh, traditions of Christianity into the Constitution because it makes for a good society, because everybody tends to care for themselves, and they all know that there's a higher power, and they all live accordingly, which makes them live peacefully, which is why this country has been so great for so long. So for that reason, happy Ishtar. Uh, we celebrate Passover, but if you celebrate Easter, that's fine. You go ahead and do your thing. Uh, if you're not against us, you're for us. That's what Christ said, and Ishtar people don't seem to be against God, so have at it. Tonight, I'm Jake Johnson, and this is Untethered Live. It's that way every night, but especially tonight. Uh, we're in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 19, verse 11. That's where we are. That's where we left off. That's where we're going to pick up. How is everybody? How's the world treating you? How did you get by this weekend? Are you having a good time? Did you eat lots of ham? Hopefully, all of the above was in the affirmative. I had a show last night in the cold, pouring rain, freezing cold, icy rain. Had to load in and load out in the rain. I played the whole show with my feet wet. Got electrocuted all night long by the microphone because my feet were wet and I wasn't grounded. But, you know. That's what we do for our craft. It was a good show. There was hardly anybody there, but the band performed admirably. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't have been there if I wasn't getting paid to be. It was cold and nasty outside. Nasty night. I don't know why anybody would go out. But a few people did. We, we had some people there, about 25 people, maybe 30. It wasn't great, but, you know, you can't win them all. I uh, did a little short and... Uh, showed you the stage we were on before we got started. It was nice. It was a nice place. I can't wait to play there when there's people there. You know, that might be fun. But uh, that's the way my weekend went. 
how would your weekend go? I slept most of the day, by the way, recovering from the cold night. Got up, went over to my buddy's house, took care of his business, came back over here and jumped on a podcast. My sister sent me a nice big fat plate of ham and black-eyed peas and lots of other stuff, so I get to have a nice big dinner tonight after the podcast, to which I'm greatly excited for. That's going to be a very good deal. And she gave me a big old glass of sweet tea to go with it in quite the futuristic-looking cup. So tonight's episode is brought to you by Sweet Tea. Mmm, it does the body good. That kind of tastes like soap, but I'll drink it anyway. Mmm. I think it's the mixture of sweet tea and ham. It's got that soapy flavor. Mmm, anyway. Nobody's talking, so I'll just keep running my mouth until somebody does. Uh, it's been a nice sunny day today. You would never know it was freezing cold and raining last night. And by last night, I mean all day yesterday and all night last night. It didn't stop raining until like 4 o'clock this morning, 5 o'clock this morning. It rained all day long. Steady, constant drizzle all day long. I suppose we needed it, but ugh, thank God I didn't have to go out on my motorcycle yesterday. That would not have been fun. Thank God a van comes and picks me up to take me to shows because uh, I would not want to ride the bike to where we were, which was a good distance away from the house, but not too far. About probably 35, 40 minutes from the house. Not bad at all. I do a lot of traveling around, but sometimes I get to play pretty close to the house and I get home before daylight, which is nice. The life of a musician. Everybody else is like, why do you live that way? Only thing I know, I've been doing it all my life. I don't remember not doing it. That's how long I've been doing it. Maybe, like, while I was in diapers. I wasn't doing it then, obviously. But uh, shortly thereafter, I began my foray into the business. And uh, I remember having to uh, have people tell the club owners that I was with them so that I could get in, you know. That's how early I was doing it. Of course, I had a filthy mustache by the time I was about 11 years old. Looked like I hadn't washed my face in a week. But it was enough. They let me in most of the places. It was a different time, too. They even served me alcohol a few times. But I guess that was in, in local areas where uh, people don't tell what people do. Uh, you can't get away with that now, but you could back then. Mm, the lovely days. I miss those days, back when you could make $2,000 a night, rocking and rolling. Can't do that anymore because the wonderful invention of karaoke and DJs, who all should be drug out and shot, metaphorically speaking. I don't mean that literally. Don't shoot any DJs. And uh, But they are responsible for the decline in the treatment and the payment of musicians such as myself, 
because they can get the same thing out of a box that they can get out of a band, and they don't care either way. Never mind, it takes a lifetime to get good at it, and when you present something that's good, you should pay for that, because that's the nature of meritocracy. But we have been ever so slightly edging towards the Chinese way of doing things for the past 20 years, ever so easily just easing over in that direction, to pretty soon we're going to be speaking in Mandarin. Or we'll write it down that I said so. It's coming, folks. It will happen. You'll be having Mandarin classes in like uh, English 101 and Mandarin 101. Promise it'll happen. All right. Nobody wants to talk. I'll just get started then. Let's go down, shall we? Back to the original scenery. I like this mosaic, this uh, stained glass mosaic that we have going on here. It's quite lovely. I enjoy it. See that disc that's around Jesus' head right there? And then that every picture has a disc around his head. You ever wondered why that's there? That's thanks to Constantine. What's behind him is the symbol for sun worship. And they just kind of mash the two together. That way everybody comes to church on the same day. And for a while, they were separate, you know, but in the same place. And then they just eventually kind of merged into the same religion over time. That's kind of how it worked. And uh, now you have this mysterious disc behind Jesus' head. Which, by the way, in this picture, Jesus looks like he's Irish. Jesus was not Irish. He was fair-skinned for who he was, but he was most definitely Middle Eastern. So, you know, go figure. Of course, he come from a, a bloodline of fair-skinned people. David was fair-skinned. Absalom was fair-skinned. Adam was fair-skinned. Adam even has the name Adam, which means ruddy-complected, which means red-headed. So go figure. Apparently, he comes from a line of red-headed Middle Eastern folks. You know what those look like? Send me a picture. But he most certainly did not have long, stringy red hair, like this picture suggests. But it's a comforting picture for us white folks, I think. That's the only reason I can figure it's like that. And that, and because Leonardo da Vinci painted the first picture of him like this, using a white model, so who knows? I guess each person has their own special personal Jesus, but the one that really existed was Middle Eastern, average height, but had high countenance, which meant he was very charismatic, meaning that when he walked into a room, you paid attention to what he was doing. You could take that for how you will, but that's how Josephus describes him in the writings of Josephus the uh, Roman. Apparently, he either saw him or or knew somebody who directly saw him because he was alive about 50 years after the death of Christ. So he would have known or possibly could have known someone who actually saw him alive. But his description is very detailed and describes him as woolly-headed, like thick, curly, short hair. Not long like this at all. He did have a beard. His beard was parted in the middle, as it was customary to do so at the time. And uh, he was described as being very charismatic or high countenance. 
So he must have had one heck of a personality. And also, it describes him as average looking. Like if you didn't account for his charisma, you wouldn't be able to tell him apart from anybody else. He fit into the crowd, you know, so to speak. He did dress funny, though, opposite of what everybody else wore. All right. If you got your Bibles handy, crack them open to the great book of Deuteronomy, chapter 19, verse 11, and we shall begin. Oh, I do have a book. Okay. And it goes like this. <laughs> but if any man hate his neighbor and lie and wait for him and rise up against him and smite him mortally that he die and fleeth into one of these cities, then the elders of this city shall send and fetch him thence and deliver him into the hand of the avenger of blood that he may die. So this is the provision. We were talking about provisions for people who accidentally kill people last time. Uh, this is in case the guy is trying to get away with it by claiming that he accidentally killed somebody when he literally did it on purpose. If you lie and wait, which, by the way, the translation in the King James Version in the Ten Commandments is incorrect. I don't blame them for mistranslating because it's an easy mistake to make. But the word is not kill and thou shalt not kill. The word in Greek is fonyance, something else in Hebrew, but I can't remember what it is. But it means murder, meaning criminal homicide, which means to lie in wait and to do something on purpose with the intent of malice. That is not the same thing as an accidental death or death during war or death during self-defense. There are provisions for killing things. Legal murder, meaning you can kill an animal to eat. You can kill a person in self-defense. You know, there are reasons that you are allowed to kill people, but you're not allowed to do it out of hatred or out of malice. You can't just murder somebody because you want to. There are reasons that that can happen, but Whatever, you get the point. Thine eye shall not pity him, but thou shalt put away the guilt of innocent blood from Israel, that it may go well with thee. Meaning that if you stop these people that kill indiscriminately, if you kill them immediately, these things will stop happening, especially if you do it public where everybody can see it. Eventually, people will not want to be killed themselves and stop murdering people. That's what God said, and I believe him. Thou shalt not remove thy neighbor's landmark, which they of old times have set in thine inheritance, which is like a pillar or a gate with the initials on it or something like that, you know, to, to establish this is my land. I own it. This has been going on since time memorial, since the beginning of land ownership. And you're not allowed to do that. That's their land. You can't take their landmark or their gate, or whatever it is they have set up, erected to, to signify this is their land. That is tantamount to taking the flag off of a ship and replacing it with your own. In maritime law, that means now it's your ship. If you can capture the flag of that ship, then you own the ship. But you can't do that on land. Which thou shalt inherit in the land that the Lord thy God giveth thee to possess it. One witness shall not rise up against a man for any iniquity or for any sin 
in any sin that he sinneth. At the mouth of two witnesses or the mouth of three witnesses shall the matter be established. If only one guy saw it, that guy's not guilty. You cannot establish guilt or innocence with one witness. You need two or three. Two works, but three is better. If three people saw it happen, you can be sure it happened. If a false witness rise up against any man to testify against him that which is wrong, then both the men between whom the controversy is shall stand before the Lord, before the priests and the judges, which shall be in those days. Because in those days they were set up men for this purpose, to judge over other men. They were priests and judges. You'd go take your matter to the priest. If the priest couldn't solve it, you took it up to the judge and he would solve it. And uh, these people were appointed over each little group or each little, uh, for lack of a better word, county. Each county, each little area of people would have a judge established for X amount of other people. Say if there was 100,000 people, they would have two judges. 50,000 per judge, that sort of thing. That's, those numbers are fictitious, but you get the idea. And the judges shall make diligent inquisition. And behold, if the witness be a false witness, and he hath testified falsely against his brother, then shall ye do unto him as he had thought to have done unto his brother. So if the man is a false witness and he's found out to be a false witness, then he will accept the punishment that he expected the other guy to get, the guy he's lying on. So shalt thou put the evil away from among you. If you punish people publicly for the crimes they commit and everybody sees it, people will stop doing it because they don't want to be punished publicly for the same crime. If you cut off the hand of a thief in public, the next person will think twice about stealing. If you do it two or three times, people will stop stealing because you don't want to live your life without hands. It's as simple as that. And those which remain shall hear and fear. That word is terror, not reverence. And shall henceforth commit no any such crime, no more any such evil among you. They will stop doing it because they're afraid of the punishment, because the punishment is harsh. Therefore, you don't have to do the punishment. Therefore, just like with parenting, the threat of punishment can be enough. If you just threaten it, people will stop. Because they know you're serious. They know you'll do it. It's as simple as that. Why don't we have this in play today? Because people are cowards. And they're scared to do what God told them to do. And thine eye shall not pity. But life shall go for life. Eye for eye. Tooth for tooth. Hand for hand. Foot for foot. Period. If you dash a man's foot till it breaks and he can't walk anymore, then your foot will be dashed until it breaks and you can't walk anymore. It's as simple as that, if done in malice. Hey, Julie, welcome to the show. Come on in. Pull up a chair. Make yourself comfortable. We're getting into the weeds. When thou goest out to battle against thine enemies and seest horses and chariots and a people more than thou, be not afraid of them, for the Lord thy God is with thee, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. 
You don't have to fear Israel. The 12 tribes of Israel, this is for them specifically. It might apply to you too, but I wouldn't test it if I were you because this was specifically talking to them that God will fight their battles for them. They don't have to be afraid, even if they're outnumbered two to one or three to one. They don't have to be afraid. They can walk up confidently to an army three times their size and tell them they're going to win because they will, because God will fight that battle for them. That is if God sent them out to fight. There have been times where they chose to go out and fight that God did not tell them to fight those people, and they lost miserably. But anytime God told them to go fight, they won. It's as simple as that. Listen to God. That's the answer. If God tells you, puts it on your heart to fight, then go fight. And if he don't, don't put words in his mouth. And it shall be when ye are come near unto the battle that the priests shall approach and speak unto the people and shall say unto them, Hear, O Israel, ye approach this day unto battle against your enemies. Let not your hearts faint, fear not, and do not tremble. Neither be ye terrified because of them. For the Lord your God, he that goeth with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. That's the reason. That's why God would do that, to save them. Why? Because he made a promise to them and he intends to keep it. He can't keep it if they're dead. <laughs> and the officers shall speak unto the people, saying, What man is there that hath built a new house and hath not dedicated it? Let him go and return to his house, lest he die in the battle, and another man dedicate it for him. I added the word for him. Yeah, what does that mean? That means to consummate the house, making it yours. You can take that however you want, whether it means to lay with your wife or whether it means to break a bottle over the eve or whatever it is. When you built a house, you're supposed to dedicate it to God or you did in those days anyway. And he says, uh, anybody here that hasn't done so, go do it. Because you might die in battle, and you won't get the chance to, and another man will come into your life. Jody will show up. You don't want Jody showing up while you're off at battle. For those of you that don't know who Jody is, speak to a veteran or a prisoner. They'll tell you who he is. Certainly, Alex, you can uh, ask a question, but tread carefully because I suspect by your name that you're a troll, and I don't play that game here. This is a serious Bible study. Hmm. One moment. Okay. And what man is he that hath planted a vineyard and hath not yet eaten of it? Let him also go and return to his house, lest he die in battle, and another man eat of it. 
Likewise goes with your your uh, vineyard, I would suppose. And what man is there that hath betrothed a wife and hath not taken her? Let him go and return into his house, lest he die in battle, and another man take her. In case there was any doubt as to what they're talking about, there you have it. Don't go to battle leaving your wife wanton, because you might come home and she'd be satisfied. And you don't want that. What are you fighting for if not for that? And it shall be. Oh, I missed one. And the officers shall speak further unto the people that they shall say, What man is there that is fearful or faint-hearted? Let him return into his house, lest his brethren's heart faint as well as his heart. Fear is contagious. If you don't believe that, look at a panicked crowd that started with one person panicking. And then the whole crowd panics with them. You don't want that in battle. So if you're terrified of the battle, you should probably not be here, is what they're saying. Go home. You'll save more lives by not being here and being terrified than you would fighting the battle because you're just going to freeze up and you're going to spread that fear. And I've already made it clear that you shouldn't be afraid because God has this battle in hand. Why do they talk so much about fear? Well, if you've ever experienced any kind of battle, a wise man will tell you he's afraid. He's afraid for his life. He's afraid for the battle. He's afraid for what they're fighting for. He's afraid for what he might do. It's fearful. It's a scary thing to be in battle. The bravery and the courageousness that comes up from within a person during battle is something seldom experienced by the normal person. You don't have to go through that. That's why these men, these heroes exist, so that you don't have to go through that. But you should never forget they died or they lived so that you don't have to experience that. And you should always appreciate the soldier for what he contributes, even if you don't agree with what they're fighting about. It's not the soldier's fault. They're just following orders like a good soldier does. It's the government's fault for putting them in that situation. So don't take it out on the soldier. Take it out on the government. And it shall be when the officers have made an end of speaking unto the people that they shall make captains of the armies to lead the people. That's when they appoint leaders over each group or battalion, as it were. When thou comest near unto a city to fight against it, then proclaim peace unto it. Do the fighting, but then proclaim peace, because peace is the goal. That's why you fight. You don't fight to conquer. You fight for peace. And it shall be, if it make thee answer of peace and open unto thee, then it shall be, that all the people that is found therein shall be tributaries unto thee, and they shall serve thee. What is this talking about? This is talking about indentured servitude. Because you have conquered the land, rather than killing the people, you offer them servitude, and they take it. And then they get conscripted into your group, and next thing you know, they become whoever you are. Uh, whatever nationality you are, claim to be, they become part of that. It takes time but that's how you conscript 
a group of people. You don't kill them all. You take them in. And because they're prisoners of war, there's a certain amount of servitude they have to go through before they can become citizens. That's just the nature of war. I'm not saying it's right, but that's the way it is. If you don't believe that, go look at any place that's been in war and you'll see it happen. Look at this place. Where are the Indians who were here before we were? They're still around. They're now Americans. That's how it happens. That goes for every country on planet Earth. Don't have to like it, but that's the way it is. And if it will make no peace with thee, if you can't be peaceful with the people you conquer, but will make war against thee, then thou shalt besiege it. And when the Lord thy God hath delivered it into thine hands, thou shalt smite every male thereof with the edge of the sword. But the women and the little ones and the cattle and all that is in the city, even all the spoil thereof, shalt thou take unto thyself and shalt eat the spoil of thine enemies, which the Lord thy God hath given thee. Also, this is the rule of war. Anybody that's ever been in a war knows that you take spoils of war when you conquer the, the enemy. Now, this is God saying not to kill the children or the women in these circumstances. There has been a circumstance where he said to kill every living thing, man, woman, child, and animal. But those were specific instances involving people that should not be here on planet Earth, yet they were here. And God wanted them gone. These are parts of the fallen angels that mated with women and had offspring. And these, uh, say, the sons of Anak would be one group of people. Where we get the word Anunnaki, the uh, Sumerian group of people. There was a time when God sent the Israelites there to kill those people because they didn't belong here. This isn't what God created this world for. Those angels had no business coming here and mating with humans. Their offspring had no business being here. That's matters of heaven that has nothing to do with anything we have privy to have knowledge of. So I'm very limited as to what I know about it, but I do know they ain't supposed to be here. That's why God had them killed. But in most cases of war, you don't kill the women and the children and the animals. <laughs> also, when God said to kill the animals also, you have to understand that that group of people was involved in bestiality, so even the animals were tainted, and you don't want to eat that once they've been infected with human DNA, however you want to see that. So that's why. And also, once you've spared the children and the women and the animals... Then you make them yours. You bring them into your community and conscript them. Then they become part of your community. Thus shalt thou do unto all the cities which are very far off from thee, which are not of the cities of these nations. That means when you go outside of Canaan, that's the way you handle it. But of the cities of these people, which the Lord thy God doth give thee for an inheritance, Thou shalt save alive nothing that breatheth. Now we're talking about the thing I'm talking. But thou shalt utterly destroy them, namely the Hittites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. That's where they came from. 
you got to understand, this groups of people do not belong here on planet Earth. That's why God gave the land to the Israelites, because the people that were presently there have been evicted. Why have they been evicted? Because they have for decades and maybe even millennia practiced false idolatry and bestiality and passing babies through the fire to Moloch or whatever God it is. I think it's Baal that you pass the babies through fire to. Balaam, that's who it is. Balaam. Anyway, same practice that's happening today in cities around the world in clinics. Different name, same practice. Sacrifice the child for the sake of the parent. Yeah. Anyway, when thou shalt besiege a city, I missed one, sorry, as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee, that they reach you not to do after their abominations, which they have done unto their gods, lowercase g, so, ye sin, so should ye sin against the Lord your God. Don't get wrapped up in the things that they worship, the things that they understand. They are wrong. They have to die. And apparently, it was quite the deception because if you just hang around these people, God thought that these Israelites might pick up their habits and then start doing the things they were doing. So you didn't want that. When thou shalt besiege a city a long time in making war against it to take it, thou shalt not destroy the trees thereof by forcing an axe against them, for thou mayest eat of them, and thou shalt not cut them down. For the tree of the field is a man's life, to employ them in siege. Only the trees which thou knowest, that they be not trees for meat, thou shalt destroy and cut them down. And thou shalt build bulwarks against the city that maketh war with thee, until it be subdued. Now, what is a bulwark? Kind of like a ramming device. God says, do not cut down any trees that have fruit, that bear fruit, because you might need to eat that. You can cut down, say, pine trees or whatever, or anything that doesn't bear fruit you can eat. You can cut that down and make bulwarks and other forms of mechanics to aid in the effort against the city, but you can't cut down the trees that bear fruit because you may need to survive on that. And in the heat of battle, when there's no food around, one fruit tree might make the difference between you living and dying of starvation. Sound advice, if you ask me. If one be found slain in the land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee to possess it, lying in the field, and it not be known who hath slain him, then thy elders and thy judges shall come forth, and they shall measure unto the cities which are round about him that is slain. And it shall be that the city which is next unto the slain man, even the elders of that city shall take an heifer which hath not been wrought with, or hasn't been, you know, bred, and which hath not drawn in the yoke, has not been put in the field to work, and the elders of that city shall bring down the heifer unto the rough valley, which is neither eared nor sown, meaning it doesn't have anything growing in it, and strike off the heifer's neck there in the valley. And the priests 
the son of Levi, shall come near. For them the Lord thy God hath chosen to minister unto him and to bless in the name of the Lord. And by their word shall every controversy and every stroke be tried. So, if there's a murder that you can't solve because you have no idea who committed it, you just found a body lying there, you must take a heifer, a clean heifer that hasn't been impregnated or hasn't been put in the field to work, and then take it down into the valley and sacrifice it. That covers the sin that caused that life to be taken. So there's that. The person still gets away with it, but the sin is covered. It doesn't affect the rest of the people, in other words. And the Levites, who have been charged by God to be the ministers, they work for God. They don't get an inheritance. They don't get any land, but they have provisions made to take care of them because they are doing the work of God. And so they get taken care of quite nicely in every city, by the way. And all the elders of that city that are next unto the slain man shall wash their hands over the heifer that is beheaded in the valley. And there shall answer and say, and they shall answer and say, Our hands have not shed this blood, neither have our eyes seen it. We are not guilty of this sin. Somebody might be, but it's not us. Be merciful, O Lord, unto the people of Israel, whom thou hast redeemed, and lay not innocent blood unto thy people of Israel's charge. Don't commit, don't cause us. Don't accuse us of being guilty of murder when we didn't know anything about it. That's what he's saying. And the blood shall be forgiven them. That means that the whole city is forgiven of this murder. Not the murderer, because God knows who that is. But the people don't. So they have to have a way of clearing their conscience because they know that it probably somebody in their city might even be among them. So that's why this is necessary. Thou shalt put away the guilt of innocent blood from among you. Thou shalt do that which is right in the sight of the Lord. Always, when you do what's right in the sight of God, you can put away guilt. That means if you've committed a sin, and you know you're guilty of it, and you ask God for forgiveness for that sin, first of all, you have to take on faith that he has forgiven you for that sin when you ask because he said he would. And as this whole book suggests, God's pretty big on keeping his word. So once you have asked for forgiveness, you are to never bring that sin up again. Lay it down. God's forgotten about it. He's blotted it out of the book of life. So should you forget about it. You should not spend the rest of your life being guilty or feeling guilty or having... having uh, anxiety over this sin that has been committed because you've asked for forgiveness and it has been forgiven. That means it's no longer held against you. Don't think about it no more. Don't talk about it anymore. Don't bring it up to God anymore. It's over. Over and done with. Doesn't matter what that sin is. If you've asked for forgiveness and you were sincere, you have to be sincere. That in mind, you can't con God. Don't just ask for forgiveness thinking you're going to get away with it. You're not. You'll still get judged for it. But that judgment will be based on your asking for forgiveness. See what I mean? Hey, April. Welcome to the show. 
<clears throat> when thou goest forth to war against thine enemies, and the Lord thy God hath delivered them into thine hands, and thou hast taken them captive, and seeing among the captives a beautiful woman, and has the desire unto her that thou wouldest have her to thy wife, then thou shalt bring her home to thine house, and she shall shave her head and pare her nails, clean up, and she shall put the raiment of her captivity from off her, and she shall remain in thine house and bewail her father and her mother a full month. And after that, Thou shalt go in unto her, and be her husband, and she shall be thy wife. What does that mean? If you decide to marry one of the people you've captured, you find them attractive, you want to get jiggy with her, well, that's nice. And she is of no place to negotiate, because she's held captive. But if you decide to marry her, you have to free her. Take the clothes of the an enslavement off of her. That's a tough one for me. I understand it is, Julie, but that's the way of the world in those days. You have to look at it through the lens of where they were. But this is God saying, if you choose to marry this woman, i.e. have sex with her, because that's what marriage means in the old days, you have to free her first. That's first. And she shall shave her head and clean her nails and, you know, wash herself. Be, be prepared to become a new person. That's what they're saying. And then you are to give her a full month to prepare. That's what be well her mother and her father means. You know, apparently her mother and father probably died in that war. And if not, they're held captive elsewhere. But because they are conscripted, they are no longer part of that family. They're part of your family now. Because when you take over a country, that's what happens. The people in that country become part of whoever takes over it. It's just the way it is. So once you've given her a full month to prepare herself, and this is, by the way, if she desires to be married back, which she would be because the, op the opposite of that is being enslaved. So she would be more than happy to be freed to be your wife. Then after that month, then you can go in under her, which means she has to accept you. So it's not perfect, but it's a good solution for the situation that they're in. And it's the most humane one that you can consider because the alternative is death. That's just the nature of war. Again, we don't live in those times, so it's very hard for us to swallow this kind of behavior. But in times of desperation, things get tough, and they just have to be. We're not by any stretch of the imagination beyond this behavior because at any moment we could go back into war we have been extremely lucky that war has not touched this land since we've been here. Since the early part, anyway. There was a little bit of war in the beginning, but then it kind of went away. We figured out a new way to do things. But I assure you, some country gets wild hair up their butt and decides to take this country. We'll be right back in these worlds again. Right back in these rules. Living under these circumstances. So, even though this happened a long time ago, this is the way country's function. I don't like it, but that's the way it is. And it shall be, if thou have no delight in her, which she didn't make a good wife, 
then thou shalt let her go, whether she will. But thou shalt not sell her at all for money. Thou shalt not make merchandise of her, because thou hast humbled her. Meaning, you've already taken her to, to wife. If she turns out to not be a good wife, meaning she doesn't want to be there, then you have to let her go free. You can't sell her because she doesn't belong to you anymore. You freed her and she became your wife. That means she's your equal, not she's your slave. So you see, even in those days, the consideration for the woman was there. I was referring to not feeling guilty. Oh, I hear you. After asking for forgiveness, it's hard to do. I want to let go. I'm just not good at it. I hear you, Julie. <clears throat> well, that's where faith comes in, and faith is done, faith is observed by the works that you do. You can't have faith by words alone. So me telling you ain't going to make it better. You're going to have to practice it. You know what I'm saying? I can tell you that you have to have faith that God has forgiven you, but you have to practice knowing that he's forgiven you. It takes time. I know it's hard. I've had I've struggles with things that have happened in my life that I didn't want to let go of that were weighing me down. But the truth is, is when you ask for forgiveness, it has been forgiven. So that means that that sin has been blotted out of the book of life. It's no longer on your record. God doesn't want to hear about it anymore. He's forgotten it. You should forget it. I know that's hard, but that's actually a good thing. That means that you can survive your guilt And if a man have two wives, one beloved and another hated, this is back when that was permissible, and they have borne him children, both the beloved and the hated, if the firstborn son be hers that was hated, then it shall be, when he maketh his sons to inherit that which he hath, that he may not make the son of the beloved firstborn before the son of the hated, which is indeed the firstborn, period. So it doesn't matter how you feel about your wife. Your kids, they're not part of this problem, right? When they when they are your children, the firstborn is the firstborn, period. doesn't matter if you hate his, wife, his mama or not. You have to consider him to be the heir to the throne or to whatever it is you're inheriting to him. But he shall acknowledge the son of the hated for the firstborn by giving him a double portion of all that he hateth. For he is the beginning of his strength. The right of the firstborn is his. See that? So God has these rules and you have to adhere to them. It doesn't matter how you feel about it. Right is right. And the firstborn has certain privileges. That's just the way it is. Firstborn son gets the inheritance. He gets to carry on the legacy. That's just the way it is. And unless he dies, the secondborn does not have a chance. He might get something, but he ain't going to get the major majority of the inheritance. If a man have a stubborn and rebellious son, which will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, that and that when they have chastened him, he will not hearken unto them. That no matter how much you beat him, he won't listen to you. 
Then shall his father and his mother lay hold on him and bring him out unto the elders of the city and unto the gate of this place. And they shall say unto the elders of the city, This is our son. He is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is glutton and a drunkard. And the men of his city shall stone him with stones that he die, so that thou put evil away from among you, and all Israel shall hear and fear. Now, this is pertaining to these 12 tribes, period. It does not pertain to everybody. They have seen God with their own eyes. They know right from wrong. It's not a matter of faith for them. It's a matter of knowledge. They're not allowed to make some of the mistakes that the rest of us are allowed to make because we have to take everything on faith. We were not there. This being a rebellious and stubborn son means he won't pay attention. He won't listen. He won't do right. He won't follow God. All he wants to do is get drunk and be a glutton. He lashes out. He's a bad influence. He's not a good human being. This is the how you handle that. You take them out and you stone them to death. Why? Because you don't want those kind of people in your environment. Because those kind of people are why we have the problems we have today. Why the things are happening today that are happening. Those people should not have survived, but they did. They did because everything is easy. Because we don't live in a world where your obedience matters to the rest of us where your contribution to the community matters to our survival. We don't live in that world. So these people are allowed to survive. They shouldn't have survived. That's why we have the issues we have in the community we live in today. And if we solved it in this manner, those issues would go away, and it would be a well-oiled machine very shortly. Do I agree with that? I don't know. I've never been placed in a situation where I had to stone my own child. I don't know if that would be something I could do. Depends on what the child did, obviously. But if I knew God personally and I knew that he expected this of me, then I probably would because I would know that that's the consequence for being disobedient and rebellious. And all the men of his city shall stone him with stones that he die. So shalt thou put evil away from among you. Why is this kid stubborn and rebellious? Because he's evil. Satan has gotten to him. And you don't want evil in your midst. And all Israel shall hear it and fear it. That's terror, not reverence. That means that you're afraid to, to act out in that manner so that you behave yourself. And you don't have these problems. Therefore, the threat of that is good enough at a certain point. And if a man have, if a man have committed a sin worthy of death, and he be to be put to death, and thou hang him on a tree, and his body shall not remain all night upon the tree, but thou shalt in any wise bury him that day. For he that is hanged is accursed of God, that thy land be not defiled. 
which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. So if you found somebody that has done something so atrocious that you wanted to kill them for it and they deserve to die for it, then you hang them that day and bury them that day. You don't leave them hanging. Why? Because you don't want to defile the land. This land is special, this Canaan. By the way, have you seen Canaan lately? It is not flowing with milk and honey. It is not prosperous by any stretch of the imagination. It is, by all intents and purposes, a barren desert. That should tell you something. The people did not do what God told them to do. Because if they had, it'd still be, it would be the seat of power, wouldn't it? It would be the land flowing with milk and honey, where everybody would come to that land for advice and for support and all that. It's not which means they didn't adhere to God's plan. Thou shalt not see thy brother's ox or his sheep go astray and hide thyself from them. Thou shalt in any case bring them again unto thy brother. If you see your brother's ox getting out of the gate, then you go fix it. You go solve that problem. And if thy brother be not near unto thee, or if thou know him not, then thou shalt bring it unto thine own house. If you don't know where your brother's at, and you don't know when he's going to be back, or if you don't know your brother, because this is the, that kind of world, then you bring that animal to your house, and you take care of it until such time as you can return it to him. And it shall be with thee until thy brother seek after it, and thou shalt restore it to him again. Period. You take care of those who take care of you. In like manner, thou shalt do with his ass. Watch it. I know what you're thinking. It means donkey. And so shalt thou do with his raiment. And with all lost things of thy brothers, which he hath lost, and thou hast found, shalt thou do likewise. Thou mayest not hide thyself. You can't just pretend that you don't know that it's going on, or you can't take it for yourself and hide and pretend you don't, you hadn't seen it. Where's my goat? Well, I ain't got no clue. I hadn't seen no goat around here. No, no goat here. You can't do that. You must restore to your brothers that which is his. This falls under stealing. Can't do that. Or coveting coveting thy neighbor's ass, as it were. <clears throat> or literally or metaphorically. Thou shalt not see thy brother's ass or his ox fall down by the way and hide thyself from them. Thou shalt surely help him to lift him up again. If you see an ass or a goat fall into a, or a donkey or an ox fall into a pit, then you must avail yourself to be helpful and help them regain their property. You can't just ignore that your brother needs help. This is all common sense stuff. This is stuff you would ordinarily do if you're a good human being. Actually, it says something about our culture that we need to be told these things. You should automatically want to help your brother and return his lost property. But apparently, there's some people that don't feel that way, so you have to tell them this is what you're supposed to do. You need to do this. You need to act accordingly. 
The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garments. For all that do so are an abomination unto the Lord thy God. Hmm, that came out of nowhere, did it? It's almost like God saw some things coming, hmm? or like things have happened in the past that are recurring in today. I'll read that again for clarity's sake. The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth to a man. This is metaphoric and physical. Neither shall a man put on a woman's garment, metaphorically or physically. For all that do so, how many? All that do so are an abomination. What is an abomination? That which God hates is an abomination unto the Lord thy God. What does that mean? That means all the excuses in the world ain't going to cover up the fact that you're doing something against God, directly against God when you do these things. Don't pretend to be something you're not. You are what you are. Make do with it. If you don't like it, tough. That's who you are. That's God, God saw fit to put you in that body. Deal with it. Make good with what you have to work with. If a bird's nest chance to be before thee in the way, in any tree or on the ground, whether they be young ones or eggs, or the dam sitting upon the young, the dame, the female. Like every trans freak today, so sick of them, says MBTV. Well, the Lord said in the book how they should be and how they should be treated. Go figure. Or upon the eggs, thou shalt not take the dame with the young, but thou shalt in any wise let the dam go and take the young to thee, that it may be well with thee, that thou mayest prolong thy days. What does that mean? Well, it's common sense. The female can make more eggs. If you take her, the life dies that's in the nest. All those birds can make more eggs if they're female. But if you take the mother, they all die. But if you take the young ones, they die, but the mother can go make more eggs. So you're pro prolonging life. Simple as that. In other words, break this down. When you go hunting, and we talked about this the other day, when you hunt, you kill only what you need to eat. You don't kill for sport. You don't kill for trophies. You kill what you need to eat. And you only kill that which has already lived. You kill the old one that's already had offspring. You kill the old mother that's already birthed her children and raised them. You do not kill a female during the rut or shortly thereafter when you know she's had children because she needs to be there to take care of them. You don't kill the young because they have yet to live a life. They have yet to spread their seed. You go for the ones that you know have already done so. Therefore, you can eat, but they can survive. It's as simple as that. It's common sense. That's basically what this is saying. Using a bird, but it's the same principle. April says, just pray for them. I know it's not right, but let God be the judge. Well, that is correct. You should let God be the judge, and you should not judge anybody except yourself. And I'm telling you, don't do that. 
I'm not telling someone who's already done it they shouldn't do it. You're a sinner. You're guilty. I'm saying that when the thought occurs to you, mm, I think I want to wear pants and a mu grow a mustache. Don't do that. Don't lay with a woman either. Don't do what God considers an abomination. If you've already done it, then it's between you and God. You've got some forgiveness to get. You've got some learning to do. You've got some uh, guilt to get rid of. That's between you and God. That's not my place. But if you haven't done it yet, don't start. When thou buildest a new house, thou shalt make a battlement for thy roof, that thou bring not blood upon thine house, if any man fall from thence. What does that mean? It means that you make it where people can't get on your roof. Because if they fall off, it's your fault. Simple. Thou shalt not sow thy vineyard with diverse seeds. What does that mean? Don't sow your vineyards with seeds that came from another land. Sow from the seeds that are of this land. Why? Because diversity is not strength, as you can well see in the communities around us today where they're pushing that idea and you're watching it fall down around your ankles. Diversity is not strength. It's the opposite. Lest the fruit of the seed which thou hast sown and the fruit of thy vineyard... What? Be defiled. All right. This is obviously a double entendre. It doesn't just mean seeds and fruit. It means everything that it pertains to that idea. So you could say that among your community that you shouldn't go out and spread your seed among communities that aren't yours or allow foreign seed to come into your community. Why? Because it taints things. It, it causes things to be defiled. You want to remain as pure as possible. Meaning us, that's right. Is that possible in today's society? I don't know. I don't know if it is. I think it may be too late for that. But at this time, there were still pure bloods. There were still groups of people that were pure. They were of a tribe. Now tribes are all mixed and mingled and everything is defiled and you look at the world around us that's falling down around our ankles and you see this ain't working. This idea that we have ain't working. So what's the alternative? What's the solution to the problem at hand? Could it be that you're not responsible for what people before you did, but you are responsible for what you do, and you should probably consider making your tribe strong if you want it to survive? I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I can tell you what the Bible says, that if you mingle seeds that are diverse, they become defiled. Does Society prove me wrong or right? You tell me. Thou shalt not plow with an ox or an ass together. Why? Because they're different species and they'll spend all the time fighting and not plowing. That's why. It's not beneficial. And that's where we're going to stop for today. We'll pick up tomorrow night at 2211. Hmm. What a fantastic, interesting read that was. 
I hope that it touched your heart. I hope that it caused you to think. I hope that it inspired you to dig deeper into God's words to find the answers for yourself or hang out with me and I'll tell them to you, however you want to do it. Won't you do me a favor while you're sitting there thinking about this, pondering what we've just talked about? Hit that subscribe button and press the bell icon so you get notifications of when I'm going to be online. Smash that like button. It's free. It's effortless. It's right in front of you, and it really does help the channel with the algorithms, and it helps us get recommended to other people, so please do that. Share this video with somebody you love. Better yet, share it with somebody you don't love. Bring them into the family. Make them part of the fold. Be part of their solutions, not part of their problems. Leave comments down below. Let me know what you're thinking about. Question me, curse me, bless me, challenge me, confront me, conform with me, drink my Kool-Aid. Make your own Kool-Aid as long as you're thinking critical. That's what I want. Critical thought coming from that brain of yours. And please consider going over to rumble.com slash untethered live and hitting the follow button over there to help me build a community that can be free of the censorship of this platform please do that if you would and hey if you love the word of god and you can see the value in what i'm trying to build here and you feel led to help out in some way or if you feel led to send your tithes offerings or love offerings or if you'd just like to pat me on the back and say hey good job jake i got your back i know what you're doing you can do that you can support my work by going to paypal.me slash jake johnson band or if you're a Cash App user, you can go to dollar sign Jake Johnson Band. Every little bit helps. It's a win-win. It's a blessing to me. It's a blessing to you, too, because God notices these things. We do live in a reciprocal universe, as I prove week after week after week. It is necessary. This is a function of God. So be considerate and consider what you're doing. I thank you for your support. I will do everything in my power to be worthy of it and to be here when you need me. And with that, I will round out this particular video by answering all of your questions and comments. Hmm. There we have it, folks. April says, everybody hit that like button, subscribe, and share. Come on. Jake wants you to go to Rumble. We need more subs, amen. I hear you. Me too. Thank you. Much love, everybody. May God bless you and all. Thank you. Thank you. Jeannie says, it touched my heart. Well, I'm glad. I hope so. Great read, Jake. Definitely. Thank you, April. <coughs> and yes, that, that scripture that we read definitely means the people. That includes us. It's a double entendre. It's a um, metaphor for a thing that happens in reality, but applies to all of reality, not just that one thing. So. Is that the case? Is that the way it works? Yes, that's the way it works. And if you want to live a rich and helpful life, hopeful life, and everything is supposed to work the way that it's supposed to work, then you need to follow the rules of God because he laid them down thousands of years ago and they have not changed, period. They are what they are because they work. Simple, effective, easy. The Smoking Auditor, what's up, buddy? Happy Easter. We celebrated Easter a few days ago for Passover. On the 3rd, I think. April says, I love it too. Huh. 
Hello, Smoking Auditor. Anybody got any questions, comments, criticisms, catharsis, anything else to start with the letter C or otherwise? I am your man. TV says, I still observe Easter Sunday. Well, that's entirely up to you. I'm not telling you not to. Just be educated and be prepared to understand what that means. As long as you do that, I'm cool with it. Smoking Auditor says, not much. I just got home, and I want to tap that like button and say hi. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate you. And I hope you had a great day. I hope everybody did. And I hope you ate all the ham. Mm-mm-mm. I'm about to eat some ham myself. My sister sent me a plate with ham and black-eyed peas and deviled eggs and all kinds of good stuff and a big old glass of tea, sweet tea right here, in a funny futuristic-looking cup. But I like it. Tastes like home. No, for whatever reason, uh, life has come in this direction, and we have the things we have, and that's the way it is. But I can tell you where it comes from, and you can choose whether or not you want to observe those things. Get some of your subs to follow Jake on Rumble, okay? Oh, well, thank you. I'll take what I can get. I appreciate you thinking about me. It's very clear to me that the decision to not promote this show like other people would promote it and to put it in God's hands means that it's going to grow a lot slower than it should. I'm very aware of that, and I appreciate all the help I can get, but I stand by the conviction that if I were to promote it the way that other people promote shows, then I would be nothing but a televangelist, and that is not what I'm trying to achieve here. I'm not doing this to get rich. I'm doing this to spread the word. And if I can survive along the way, that's wonderful. But that's all I'm looking for. And God knows what I have need of. So I assume he'll place it upon your hearts to help me when you feel the need. Other than that, I'm not promoting it that way. Because I don't think that's the intent. I'm trying to be earnest here. Hard thing to do in these days. Especially when you get hungry. But if you're not a man of conviction, you're not a man of anything. MVTV says, yo, smoking auditor. And the smoking auditor says, I don't have rumble. Well, get rumble, boy. What's the matter with you? It's the wave of the future. Pretty soon, they're going to overtake YouTube. All the big names are headed over that way. Oh, it ain't nothing. It's a good site. It's a little weird. It's got some growing to do. It ain't quite reached its potential yet, but it's getting there fast. There's a lot of money going into it right now. I know that. But Steven Crowder and, and many other big names, Russell Brand, all those guys are heading over there. 
trying to get out from under the censorship of YouTube, which they are increasing every day. And this new guy has added some rules that are going to make it even impossible for us to even mention external sites like Rumble because they'll start striking us for that soon. They already passed the, the rules. They put it in the, uh, what is it, the, you know, the terms and agreements, the thing you never read. They've already put it in there, and pretty soon they're going to start uh, uh, upholding that rule. Does it have an app, or is it still just a website? I don't know. I don't know. I use the website. I, I, I haven't looked to see if there's an app yet. I would assume there is because that's the way the world works. I mean, you would think they would have one if they wanted to grow. But I really don't have an answer to that question. I can find out, though. I can't open the App Store and type in Rumble and see what happens. Hmm. Well, dang it. Oh, I know what it is. There it is. Forgot my password for a second. Well, I do not see a Rumble app in App Store. That's a that's a Mac thing. Let's try. Do I have a? Google, let's see, I'm looking, Rumble app is on Google Play, yes, Rumble has an app and it's on Google Play, so there you go, there's the answer to your question, hey, hey Jock, welcome to the show, come on in. April says, where have you been, Fab Daddy? We missed you. Good to see you. Hey, Fab Daddy, welcome to the show. He says, I've been in California. Hello, fam, says they jot much love on this Easter Sunday. Happy Easter. Smoking Daughter says, I may be younger than you, but I am technologically not inclined. LOL. I hear you. I'm not very technologically inclined either. April says, happy Easter to you also. Much love. How are you? You're beautiful, says April, says Ajok. Hi there. Aw, thanks, love. So sweet, says April. I'm doing well. Blessed to be alive, says Ajok. American Justice of Texas, we're all blessed to be alive. I'm glad you are, too. 
cool. I will have to download it and try to learn to use it. It seems pretty easy. Amen to that, Ajot, says April. The bees are back. That's excellent. We were about to lose a bunch of bees there for a while. I hope they're back for sure. Because without bees, nothing grows. April says, I just got on Rumble by Jake's link. It's the easiest way to get to it. Yeah, just hit the link. Should be easy to get there. But uh, believe me when I tell you that at the moment, Rumble is a free speech platform. They do not censor your behavior or your speech. And I, of all people, have been being censored for the past couple of months and throttled. It's not good. I need to find a way to live stream where that's not an issue. And I need to reach 25 subscribers over there on Rumble before they'll let me live stream there. So help out if you can. I didn't know the bees were missing. Yeah, they were dying off there for a little while. They had some kind of uh, parasite or some kind of fungus or something that was growing on them, killing the bees. And it was kind of scary because a mass bee die-off means that things don't grow. You don't want bees to go away. Smoking Auditor says, Smoking Auditor says, Happy Easter, Ajot, and we're blessed to have you in our lives. Amen to that. Fab Daddy says, One of my trees has thousands currently humming and gathering nectar. That's lovely. I'm glad to hear it. You protect those bees. They may be all this between us and them. Fab Daddy says, Pollination. Well, we all got to pollinate. Some of us hadn't pollinated in a while, but, you know. April says, thank God. Mm-hmm. Pollination is a beautiful, God-given right to all mankind and all animal kind. Without that, we don't have a world. These crazy kids these days are talking nonsense when they're talking about finding out ways to stop pollination. Not a good place to be. I think you should get married and make life. That's what you're supposed to do. That's what you're here for. Men, make life with your penises. That's what they're there for. Last week, average of 23 degrees. This week... 84 forecasted for Tuesday. Instant spring and the landscape is filling again with life, says MBTV. That's beautiful. Spring is in the air. Cats start looking at you like, have you ever seen this before? Mm-hmm. That's like taking air from us. It really is. It is a crab apple tree blossomed with white petals. Oh, that ought to be some tart, honey. Humidity sucks. Ugh. Well, you live in Florida, so you asked for it. Move north. I got a lot right here in my yard, I'll say. You can live right there, rent-free if you want to. You just got to put your house there or a trailer or whatever. That is uh, only for family. I would I would do that. Otherwise, I'm keeping my yard. Non-edible, but I have plenty of lemons. Hmm, why aren't they edible? 
I'm interested to see what the bees will do with that crabapple tree. I bet that'll be some funky honey. Might be good for you. Might make you see things. There's some honey in uh, Nepal, I think it is. I can't remember exactly where, but it's on the side of a mountain. And these, uh, these, uh, what do you call them? You know, the guys that go up in the mountain and lead people up there? Can't think of the name of them. Anyway, they climb up there every year, risk their life to get some of this honey because it, you trip out on it. It's like psychedelic honey. It's only one place in the world. It's very interesting. I'd love to have some of that honey. A crab apple is a small berry. I wouldn't call it a berry. I've eaten crab apples before. I'm from Florida. They are not berries. But they are crabby. Very bitter. I guess you could call it a berry. Hell, I don't know. Don't taste like a berry. Don't chew like a berry. Ain't got nothing soft inside. MVTV says the cattle are let loose to wander. Buckshot has 20, 125 or so new little calves bouncing around. Sandhill, Carnes, squawking. Cranes are squawking. And somewhere, those rattlesnakes are starting to wake. Mm-mm. I don't like rattlesnakes. Fab Daddy says non-edible. You can eat them. You'll regret it, but you can eat them. Never heard of a crab apple tree. What? What are you talking about? You've been living around them your whole life. They're everywhere. They're little green things that grow on trees. Little trees. Smoking auditor. You can order the honey offline. It's called Mad Honey. Really? I didn't know that. Looks similar to a cherry tree. Yep. Mad Honey is expensive. I bet it is. But it's uh, very interesting, that honey. And it's it takes a lot to get that honey, too. People have to risk their lives to climb up the side of a cliff to get it. And fight the bees while they're getting it. So, But they get it. Oh, okay, yeah, I've seen it. Duh. Yep. They're everywhere up there around where you live. I know, LOL. Ha, 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 ha. I bury a red. Mm-hmm. I've never seen a red crab apple. I've seen green ones, though. And they're very bitter to eat. They will make your stomach hurt if you eat too many of them. I'm waiting for my bush cherries. Yum. Only get about three quarts now, but great prize for late summer. Are you talking about plums? Because cherries grow on trees. But plums are kind of like cherries. Different flavor. Same shape. And you got little ones and big ones. There used to be a bush, or a bunch of bushes of plums on a bank down the road from my house where I grew up as a child. The, they got banks on the side of the road. The roads like cut through the banks, you know, in Georgia. And up on top of this bank was this row, probably about 200 feet of nothing but plums. And we used to get up there every year and get a five-gallon bucket full of them plums and eat till our tummies were about to blow up. But, man, they were good. They were little ones. 
Now, you go buy a plum in the store and you'll get a big one like that. I ain't never seen those before, but them little ones, they're delicious. At least now I know what the name of it is. Jeez. Is April? Yep. How have you been, Jake? Be honest. I've been all right. What are you, what are you, what are you asking? Health-wise, monetary-wise, what, what are you asking about? I'll be honest. No bush cherries. Plums grow on trees, too. That must be the big ones. I live in blackberry country. Yeah, blackberries are awesome. I got some uh, blackberries out there in my yard growing wild. Blackberries and uh, raspberries, whatever you call them. They look like blackberries, but they're red. I don't think that's a raspberry. I can't think of what they're called, though. They're red and blue. There's two different colors. And good for you. Yes, they are good for you. Mulberries are good for you, too, but they'll stain everything you got blue. That's a good way to make pigment mulberry trees. Prunus microcerasu fruit looks the same as the bigger trees, at least to me. I don't know what those are. Have you ever seen thornless blackberries? Hmm. Don't know. Julie says, I've never seen a crabapple tree until I went hiking past the top of Feather Falls. There was this crabapple tree all by itself. Oh, I bet that was awesome. I have, says Fab Daddy, meaning thornless blackberries. I don't know if I've seen them or not. Happy Easter, Julie, says Fab Daddy. Smoking Auditor says, okay, you have one more follower on Rumble. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you gratefully. That's one closer to getting out from under the censorship of the big YT. My videos will still be on YouTube. You can still watch them on YouTube. I'll just be live streaming from there. That way, everybody wins. You're awesome, smoking auditor, says April. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And Fab Daddy, as far as health goes, I'm doing all right. I haven't had another episode since my heart attack. And uh, hopefully that was it. Hopefully that was a warning. I am changing my diet and exercising more and that sort of thing, smoking less and trying to do better with myself. Uh, as far as money goes, well, I owe a lot. And I'm trying to get there. We differ politically. That's okay. What's wrong with that? Lots of people differ politically. They don't mean we can't be friends. That's a new thing that the world has come up with to cause us to be separate. I have lots of Democrat friends. I got lots of Republican friends, and I'm neither, by the way. So I don't know if you know what my politics are. So it would be hard for you to say we differ, but I bet we're uh, closer to in common on a lot more than you think we are. MVTV says, Devil! Devil's advocate here. I hear you, brother. LOL, MVTV, says April. I heard enough. 
You heard enough of what? But don't assume you had a heart attack unless it's been diagnosed. Well, again, it felt like what a heart attack looks like. And I'm pretty sure it's a, it's a common knowledge when you have a heart attack. I'm pretty sure you know you're having one. It wasn't anything. It could be anything else. But I'm 90% sure. The only reason I give it 90% is because there's 10% that I couldn't possibly know. LOL, April. I wish I was awesome, honestly. You are awesome. I just barely, barely above average. I'm being cool with that. <laughs> You're a lot cooler than you think you are, smoking auditor. Angi angina? It could have been angina, but it was very serious if it was. If any heart tissue is injured, it releases a substance called C. PK, which can be measured with a simple blood test. Well, when next time I go to a doctor, I'll have my blood checked, see if I've had a heart attack. Either way, the whole point of the subject isn't whether I had a heart attack or not, is that I had some kind of serious event that probably should tell me to change my lifestyle a little, and I'm listening to it. So, Whether I had one or not is kind of irrelevant. It was definitely in the heart area, and it definitely was scary. And, uh, you know, I don't think I need to know for sure whether I had a heart attack to know that that was something I need to pay attention to. Thing is, if you assume so and say that to a doctor during an emergency situation, you'll send them off on a wild goose chase that can hurt you. Well, I'm not about to do that. I dislike doctors and hospitals, says Fab Daddy. Me too. That's why I don't go to them. I've had enough of that. You're cool, love, and awesome. Glad we had the pleasure of being friends here. It's a blessing, says April. And that's beautiful, April. Thank you, sweetheart. It still pays to get checked out, says Julie. You're right. You're absolutely right. And when I get a chance to, I will. But I'm not going to just run to the doctor because something happened that I couldn't control. You know what I mean? Even I thought I had an episode. All lab is okay. EKG is fine. Thanks, Julie. You tell them. Everybody seems to be in agreement with that. Pay the doctors. <laughs> the thing is, and this is it in a nutshell, the reason I haven't been to the doctor, because I already know what they're going to tell me. Now, I can go to the doctor, and I can have the expensive EKG. I can have the doctors look at my blood. I could probably find out if I have a high uh, A1C or high cholesterol or whatever that is. I could probably find out if my blood sugar is acting normal. That being said, what the doctor is going to tell me is to get some more exercise, stop smoking, change your diet, and take an aspirin a day. And if it's a serious thing, he'll give me some nitroglycerin, which I already have some around that I can take if I need it. That's it. That's all he's going to tell me. There's nothing else you can say in that situation. Worst case scenario, I may have a blockage, and he will, might want to do bypass surgery. That's the worst thing that could come out of that. And if that's the case, I would have a lot more trouble than I'm having now. 
So, my dad recently, before he died, had a quadruple bypass, and I saw what he went through, so I'm familiar with the, the symptoms of that, and I don't think that's the case. But if it comes down to it, if I have another episode or if some trouble occurs, considering my heart, the very next thing I'm going to do is go straight to the doctor. I don't go on the first attempt because there's nothing they can do. It's already happened. Now, if I have another episode, that means I'm having a recurring a problem. Then I'm going to seek to get it fixed. If it was that was it, if that's all that it was going to be, that, that episode, then what's the point? See what I mean? What if you can't get up? Well, then I die. Simple as that. Man, you are the classic difficult patient who stubbornly makes it worse for you than the medical profession. That is not a smart tactic, I'm telling you. How am I being difficult? I agree with everything the doctor would tell me. It's not difficult. I'm not going to the doctor and telling him how to do his job. I'm avoiding that step. I went to 10 doctors before I found the one I liked and who was honest and brutally truthful with. That's good. And you should always get a second opinion because, unfortunately, doctors like to sell things. So always get a second opinion. Absolutely, MBTV. Agreed, says April. Right on on smoking. Yes, I know I need to stop smoking. I have slowed down. I haven't stopped. My mama didn't raise no quitter, but I am trying. What if you can't get up? Then I die. Ugh. We all die. That's right. Who gave you NTG, nitro? Take that wrong, and it can kill you. I'm aware. You may be right, but you don't know. You can't. And assuming the course of action is dumb. Sorry, but I need to slap you. Slap a head on, buddy. I appreciate you. Very true, Fab Daddy. That's the truth. And where did I get nitro? This house has been a safe harbor for old people for the past 20 years. There's been five people die in this house. So I've got medication laid up everywhere. And I'm aware that taking it at the wrong time could kill you. That's why I wouldn't take it unless I was actually having a heart attack. Much safer to take aspirin. No, you were saying you know the whole course of treatment on a guess. No, I'm not. I'm saying I know what the doctor will tell me on a visit. And I don't know what the course of treatment would be. I know what the options are because I've been through this before. I'm not the first person who's ever had heart trouble. You do you, though. Thank you. Not an arguable fact. I'm not arguing the fact. You're absolutely right on all accounts. <laughs> Just because I'm not doing something that you suggest does not mean I don't agree with you. I do agree with you. If a doctor can't tell you that insurance industry has ruined our medical industry by jacking up prices on everything, that's true. And I can't afford to just go to the doctor because I feel like it. That's why I'm not going unless I absolutely need to. It's nothing to do with common sense. It has to do with being able to afford going. Now, if you want to contribute to my medical bills, I might consider it. But 
I, I would never ask for that. Can't argue that either, smoking auditor. No, you don't. Every case is different. Every case may be different, but I bet you $1,000 that's what he will tell me. $1,000. Why do I know that? Because this ain't the first person's ever had a heart attack, and I've been around people that have had this problem. By jacking up prices on everything, they're not honest doctors. That's true. And also, they're beholden to representatives that bring them medications to sell. And I've had that problem a lot. Where they one, one I have uh, bad back problems, and I have to take pain medicine. But one doctor I went to put me on a fentanyl patch, and I told him I didn't want that. This patch would make me go comatose, basically. It would knock me out cold. I couldn't regulate it. If my skin got hot or if I laid on it in the middle of the night, it would overdose me and I would be zombified. And I had two small children at the time. And I kept telling him, Doc, I don't want this. I'm not trying to get high. I want to manage my pain. So I want this and not this. And it took me three years to get what I needed so that I could manage my pain and still be functional human being. Three years. Me telling the doctor exactly what I needed, exactly what the problem was, and him putting stuff on me that I didn't need. That's why I don't go straight to the doctor. I understand that people believe in doctors. I understand there's a need for doctors. I also understand that people go to the doctor way too soon for things that they should not go to the doctor for. And I'm just trying not to be one of those people. I will go if it gets to that point. I don't want to know if I only have a limited time left. I agree with that. I think uh, I think dreading death is worse, worse than dying. I'd rather just fall over dead. I don't want to know. If I got cancer, I don't want to know. I don't want to spend the last few moments of my life worrying about the end coming. I'd rather just live and then die. All I know that to be true also, Jake. Mm-hmm. Or I know that to be true also, yes. Well, you've worked in the medical profession, so you understand that doctors' first priority is to sell you what they have to sell. MVDV says, why do I, question mark, 30 years, trauma centers, cardiac ICUs, ERs, and in-house. Well, we, we're, we're well knowledgeable of your past, and we're grateful that you have enough compassion to tell me what I need to do. And I appreciate it. I do. And I will consider it. I don't know what else to say. April says, me either, Fab Daddy. Jeannie says, if you are not in a fib, you are okay. Meaning if, if your heart is not AFib, meaning it's beating irregularly. Right. And that also could be what I experienced. My heart could have went out of sync and went into AFib, which is symptomatic of having heart failure, which I should have at 48 years old and smoking for 30 years. I should have a touch of that already, and that may very well be what that was. Either way, it sucked, and it was scary, and I thought I was going to die for about an hour, and then it went away. Getting a second opinion is more, is more advised, or more advised, 
a second opinion or more is advised. Don't like doctors or TX? Question mark. Go elsewhere. Try guessing and dosing yourself on freaking antidotes. Mm. I wouldn't do that. Fab Daddy says, live life now. Simple things mean more than you know. It's true, Fab Daddy. I agree. Do you just shrug when your motorcycle acts up? Most of the time. Just guess and start replacing parts? No, I usually know exactly what the symptoms are causing the motorcycle to do, and I replace the thing that needs replacing because I have an education, because I'm not guessing. But I understand your point. You got a point, MVTV. That's right. Sure, you are 48, wink, wink. No, I am 48. That's how old I am. 48 going on 120. Believe me, you're not alone. Tribulation. Jesus, it could be a calcium deficiency, yet you will go on thinking a heart attack when a supplement would save it. I agree. It's not a calcium deficiency. I'm up in calcium, but I appreciate the thought and that you are correct. It could be any number of things. Yes, I'll be 48 Tuesday, says April. Yes, April's a year behind me. Smoking Auditor says, MVTV. Something tells me you are a medical expert on a lot of stuff. And I would probably trust you with my health care. Oh, that's awesome. And I do too. Believe it or not. This is the thing you got to learn about Jake Johnson. I argue as a matter of living. It's how I breathe. I've been an arguer all my life. It's what I do, literally. Me and my mom used to go at it for years. Everybody that didn't know us thought that we hated each other's guts. But while I'm arguing, I'm paying attention. And I'm taking advice. And I'm tearing it apart. And I'm looking at it from all the angles. That's how I construct what's in my brain, by looking at things from all the angles. So just because I'm arguing with you does not mean I disagree with you or does not mean I won't listen to you. So you got to know that. If you don't believe me, ask April. She's known me my whole life. She'll tell you. Yes, you are. Anecdotal medical diagnosis. Anecdotal drug treatment. Okay, enough. Good luck. <laughs> I have done neither. I have not made a diagnosis, nor have I taken any drugs for it. I haven't even taken aspirin, which you're supposed to take to help your heart care. And a doctor will tell you to do so. One a day. I haven't even done that. The only medicine I take, the only medicine that enters my body that includes cough medicine is right here in this vial. It's pain medicine. And that's something I have to have to survive because I can't function otherwise. I don't even take cough medicine. I don't even take BC powders. Nothing. I'm cold on everything. I don't drink. I don't do drugs. I smoke cigarettes and I take painkillers and I drink coffee. That's it. So. Touche. LMAO says Fab Daddy. Praying for you, Jake. That I need. I need lots of that. So thank you. Well, smoking auditor, problem is just knowing enough that you think you know 
but cardiac stuff is damn straightforward. Well, if it's so straightforward, how is it that it's so hard for me to know? Do you know if I went to medical school or not? I haven't, but you don't know that I have. There's a lot of assuming going on here. Difference is, is I'm not doing half the things you'd think I'm doing. I just didn't go to the doctor. That's the only thing I'm guilty of. Abel says, LOL, I know I witnessed it. <laughs> I was there, says April. I hear you. And then she says, I love you, MBTV. You're a true friend, and I believe that wholeheartedly. A true friend cares about you. He wants you to do the right thing. A guy that don't give a shit about you wouldn't say the things he's saying, so that's appreciated. Some people's hearts are too big. That's true. You say you had a heart attack. I said, I think I had a heart attack. I said, from the beginning, I'm about 90% sure it was a heart attack. Without anything but anecdotal evidence. Well, being on my knees in the yard in the freezing cold with my heart beating out of my chest in a piercing javelin-like pain through the center of my chest and my left arm numb down to the fingers and my jaw tingling is not anecdotal. Some don't thump enough. That's true. You take or are prepared to take nitroglycerin, which could effing kill you if you're wrong. True. I don't take nitroglycerin. I said I had some around the house. I never even said I even considered taking it. I just said I had some around the house. And I also said that if the case was bad enough that a doctor would prescribe that. Because you guess. Well, my guesses are pretty solid. Smoking Otter says, I smoke cigarettes and green to treat my medical issues for now, luckily. Mm -hmm. No one with medical training would say what you did. Don't patronize me. That's my job. Grin. Well, I'm not patronizing you. And I didn't say anything affirmative in any way. You assumed affirmative because I made a comment about having nitroglycerin around the house. I never said I would take it. I just said I had it if I needed it, which I do. But that's not patronizing you. That's exactly what I said. LOL, Fab Daddy, says April. MVTV, uh, yeah, MVTV says, good point, Fab Daddy. Jake, I advise bleeding off about a quart of blood, then take a shot of mercury. I wouldn't do that. Uh, the appeal to authority, that's called a fallacy. <clears throat> and uh, I don't do that. That was funny, says April. Don't use leeches either. Well... That is not, but you never mentioned that. Yet you had those symptoms and shrugged it off. I did not shrug it off. Did I not say I was taking it seriously? How is that shrugging it off? 
I didn't go to the doctor. I don't need another person of equal intelligence to tell me what I already know. That's not shrugging it off. I didn't go to the doctor because I didn't feel the need to go to the doctor. That should tell you that I assessed the situation and did not feel the need to have a third party intervene with a bunch of stuff that would cost a lot of money that wouldn't tell me anything. If I get to a place where something could tell me something that I don't already know, I will most certainly go to the doctor. When you can get to a doctor, please go. There's lots of bad things that can happen between here and death. True. Strokes can change your life. I'd hate to see anything happen to you. Just a request. Thank you, Julie, and I appreciate that. And by the way, I have plans to visit a doctor in the next couple of months. There's not really anything I can do before then. That's the earliest that I can be seen, even if I was dying. Um, green is the antidote to cigarette smoking. Unfortunately, it's not for me because green makes me stupid. And I don't like to be stupid. And the last thing you want to see is me up here macrame to the couch with my eyes all janked out trying to remember what my name is. I've tried it. It don't work for me. But I do recognize that there are a lot of beneficial qualities to it. And it's probably something that everybody should, like that THC uh, oil, that's probably a good thing to take. But I can't, I can't do the herb, unfortunately. I wish I could. I like the idea of it. It just doesn't work for me. Julie, all thanks, love. I advise that to him, too says April. Blood test costs 200 bucks. I don't have 200 bucks. Yes, I want to see Jake Stone. Oh, it would be bad. It would be bad. You would learn nothing. I promise you that. I would probably say nothing, but my inner monologue would probably be annoyingly loud. Green is 100%. For some people, it works. I've seen my brother-in-law could smoke pot like I smoke cigarettes, like he smoked like a pack a day of, of joints and would work from daylight till dark. And I mean, very active and achieving person. I could smoke one of those and I'd be out for the day. There wouldn't be anything getting done. Some people, it, it affects them that way. It just don't do me that way. I wish it did. The last time I smoked a joint, I had a panic attack because I was my body don't like to relax. My brain don't like to relax, and it was forcing me to. So I ended up freaking out over the situation. So that was enough for me. I don't want no more of that. There are two kind. There are different kinds of herbs that are green that only have THC number eight or ten of them instead of the THC nine, which is considered the medical and can be way too much for a lot of people who don't. I hear you. Microdose before bed. That's an idea. That's a thought. That might be possible. Uh, I, I don't know where to get any of that stuff, though, the medical stuff. I don't think they have. They may have dispensaries around here, but I don't know of any. I'll have to look into that. It's worth a look. 
it makes me more hyper feeling. No pain. It's been a long time. Man, I wish that was the case. That's got to be a lot cheaper than what I'd take to handle my pain. Who don't regularly smoke THC-9 or have medical issues great enough for that type of THC. But the other types of herbs, they, they're only the 8 and the 10 are more like cigarettes with a slight buzz or dot, dot, dot. Fab Daddy says, you'll sleep great, maybe, or I'll panic all night, one or the other. I'll try it, though. I'll try anything once. Slight buzz or relaxing the body and not affect the mental stability of someone, especially someone who is trying to do and could possibly make it so you have to take less pain medicine. But that would be a blessing because that stuff is expensive and it's bad for you. So, what's pain medicine, which I could think you'd probably up for taking less medicine instead of more as we age? Yes, you know, well, I'd take what I have to take, but I don't like it. I don't even like to take anything else, you know. Like I said, I don't even take aspirin or Tylenol. I don't even take cough syrup or I don't even eat cough drops. You name it, I don't take it. That's the only thing I take, and it's only because without it, I can't function. 250 milligram gummies. Now, that's something I've heard a lot about, those gummies. I don't know. I've never tried one, but I'd like to try one. I'd like to see how it works. Um, some people swear by it. Some people say that they thought they were going to die when they took it, but they obviously took too much. Uh, I would definitely be interested in seeing how that worked. Also, when you eat it <coughs> through edibles and it gets processed by the liver, yes, usually only gives people body stimulation and doesn't affect the mind as much as as much depending on the person well all thc is psychoactive but the reason you don't see things or have psychoactive experiences is because you smoke it and it goes right into your bloodstream through the lungs if you eat it however it goes through the liver which gets put into the bloodstream and processed by the body in a way that smoking it don't do, and that causes you to feel those effects. It's all psychedelic, but smoking it, you don't get that 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 expression of it. And that's why some people that take a large dose of it think that time stops, and they think they're dying, or they think they can't breathe, or whatever the situation may be, because it's tripping them out. They're having literal, like, psychedelic experience, and they don't realize it. Because they thought they just took a little pot. You shouldn't be doing that. But it does. It can do that. Same thing if you eat weed, like the pot brownies. If you eat that stuff, if there's enough THC in it, it'll have the same effect. Smoking scorpion venom is bad, I bet. That sounds scary. Anyway, thank you guys. Desperately thank you for being so concerned about my well-being. I appreciate you immensely. I really do. Never mind my arguing. I love you for you caring. Thank you. And uh, don't think for one second that I haven't heard every word you've said and have considered it and will consider it. And if things work out, I'll even do something about it. But that's just who I am. Yes, that fake stuff, K2, is the devil. I don't know what that is. 
Are you talking about synthetic weed? Or are you talking about bath salt, that kind of stuff that turns people into zombies and makes people eat other people's faces off and stuff, which is went around there in the early 2000s for a little while. Some pretty weird things happening. Oddly enough, by things you can buy at the gas station. By the way, I like your shirt on the last live video, the orange one. The orange t-shirt that I was wearing on the last stream. Thank you. I like it too. The stuff they made legal, then banned it. Yeah, the synth synthetic weed. Yeah. Yeah, that stuff is kind of scary because there's no regulation. They can literally put anything they want to in it. That's kind of scary. I don't like the way the FDA does business, but there must be some kind of regulatory system over drugs that are delivered to the population, especially when they're experimenting the way they do. Hawaiian buttoned-up shirt. Okay. The red one, then. Oh, no. The blue one with the stripes down the side with the flowers. Yeah, I got you. That was a couple of podcasts ago, but thank you. Yeah, that's a cool shirt. Smoking scorpion venom, eh? <laughs> yeah, that fake stuff has nothing to do with weed, and you should not smoke incense or K2 BS or take any drug that has the word salt in it in its name. That's just dumb. I agree with you, smoking auditor. That's kind of scary. That came out wrong. That K2 stuff was a type of insect meant to be lit and smelled, not smoked. Gotcha. Incense, not insect. Gotcha. Never, says April. Yeah. Fab Daddy says, I just watched it on YouTube, April. It's a new drug. Really? I don't want nothing to do with that. However, I will tout one thing. And that is Kratom, specifically the brand OPMS Gold, Kratom. If you get a chance to take that, especially if you have a particular um, inkling towards opioids, take that Kratom. It's expensive, but it absolutely works. And it absolutely has none of the side effects that opiums do. Opioids do. Hitting Pakistan. Hmm. I'll check that out. Is that the name of the thing you saw on YouTube? Hitting Pakistan? Or is that an expression for smoking the ganja? MBTV, don't get mad at me, buddy. I love you. And I trust your judgment. I really hope they don't try to synthesize a THC variant when they can grow natural THC and different types of natural THCs. I agree. Scorpion venom is a new drug. Hmm. I don't think I want any. That's like smoking death cigarettes. Let's not tempt fate, shall we? 
There was a brand of cigarettes in Florida for a while called Death. Had a skull and crossbones on the front of it. It was in a black carton, and it was called Death Cigarettes. And people were buying them left and right like it was cool to smoke Death Cigarettes. And I'm like, no, thank you. I smoke, but I'm not stupid. Golly, what sounds that sounds tragic, says April. Yeah, I think they should legalize all drugs. Get rid of this drug war on drugs. I think people should be able to make their own choices. But I also think that people that grow good herbs should be allowed to do so. And also they should be able allowed to experiment on uh, psychedelics and uh, magic mushrooms and the like because there's a lot of medicinal purposes that that plant or that group of plants could offer that we have no access to. Is that scorpion venom the type of drug that causes your skin to like the stuff from Russia? I don't know. There also is a coffee called Death. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, I wouldn't drink any of that either. Portugal did it correctly. I don't know what they did correctly, but I assume you know what you're talking about. My fingers are itching on the inside. That's a problem I've been having since I had that motorcycle wreck. It's a nerve thing. Legalize all drugs. That's right. I think you should. I think people are adults and they know what they should be able to allowed to do and not do to themselves. Portugal legalized all drugs, and now they have the lowest percentage of people addicted to stuff out of any country in Asia or Europe, too. Wow. Well, that's probably what would happen here if they legalized all drugs. The fact that they're illegal creates an underground, creates a black market, and then people get hooked on God knows what from God knows where, where if it was able to be gotten right down the street and nobody would bother you about it, they wouldn't have that problem. I am Portuguese, says Fab Daddy. All right. I am not Portuguese. Or deregulated. However, they don't send people to prison for smoking dope. That's good. You're not fighting a war on it. And you can go and see what a real drug addict looks like. It tends to cause the younger population not to want to do them, and they even cut back on the amount of people. I'm half Portuguese. Hmm. Portuguese? I've never heard that before. Alcohol is legal, and lots of people get into accidents. That's true, but only some of them are involving alcohol. Smoking Auditor says the amount of people between the ages of 14 and 25 on drinking, cigarette use, and everything else in Portugal. Hmm. That's interesting. I know that Colorado legalized weed, and uh, now they've got the biggest amount of problems that they've ever had because they did not legalize the money you make from selling weed. So you can't store that in a bank because banks are federal. 
So they have to store it in cash, in vaults. And now you've got people that will rob them, and there's nothing the police will do because it's technically an illegal activity. So they're not going to go. You can't call the law and say, hey, my weed stash got robbed. Go get the criminals because I'm a criminal. So now they've got problems. If they just went ahead and made it legal all the way across the board, money and all, they wouldn't have that problem. That's true for all nations, says April. Fab Daddy says, Oregon has mushrooms legal now. That's cool. Maybe they can actually do some research on those things and find out the medicinal purposes that they have because they're here for a reason, and they do lots of things for people that are mentally ill and people that suffer from PTSD and all sorts of things. They do have 24-hour rehab centers that you can walk into, and unless if you commit a crime in order to make money to go buy the drugs, they won't send you to jail for doing them. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it's not legal. It's not illegal to do drugs. It's not illegal to be high on drugs. It's just illegal to purchase drugs, which is weird. Free use clinics, says Fab Daddy. Is that where they provide a place for you to go shoot up for free? Keep you off the streets. That's interesting. I don't know if I agree with that or not. I'd have to think about that one a little more. In one way, I can see why it would help, and in another way, it seems like they're encouraging it. Hmm. Really? Whoa, says April. All right, boys and girls, it is 10.30, and I got to get up and go to work in the morning, so... I'm out of here. I love you guys. Thank you so much for being so interesting and keeping the chat popping and having so many varied opinions and thoughts and ideas. And thank you all for getting on my ass. I probably needed it. It means a lot. Thank you. I don't have a lot of friends that care that much about me, so I appreciate each and every one of you. Keep coming back. We'll keep plugging forward as long as I can. I'll see you guys tomorrow night at 830. Uh hit all the buttons and do all the things you know what's necessary have a great night and thank you for those of you that went over to rumble.com slash untethered live and hit the follow button that's much appreciated i love you all god bless you happy easter for what that's worth thanks for being here much love everyone Smoking Otter says, I'm honestly surprised more countries don't try to legalize drugs in order to enslave their populations through chemical control. Yeah, that is interesting, isn't it? Hmm. Thank you, guys. Thanks for watching.